This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by our very own Complement Plus, the perfect complement to a plant-based diet with just the hard-to-get nutrients and nothing else. Learn more at lovecomplement.com and use code NOMEAT at checkout to save $10 off your first order. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Matt, you know I'm a, I'm a chafer. I've had some chafing issues with my running yes, over the past. Yes, you've, you've famously chafed and poison ivied and all kinds of things <laughs> yeah. we don't need to know more about. <laughs> Lots of stuff down, down there. But uh, <laughs> I'm running into a new problem uh, of, of late, the last, okay. the last uh, few weeks. Do we want to know it or should we just spare? Well, it's, it's, it's less, um, <laughs> maybe less... Uh, in not suitable for work <laughs> okay. than, than the poison ivy conversation. Okay. Um, I've been for the first time, really maybe since like middle school or high school cross country, uh, I've been running without a shirt on. All right. <laughs> and, um, and all of a sudden I was like, I went on a longer run the other day, feeling great. Um, it was at night, it was a little bit rainy and, uh, and sticky and hot and maybe like halfway through the long run, I started chafing underneath my armpits. Oh yeah. And I've never ever had that problem before. <laughs> and it got really bad. Like it got incredibly painful. It was like running, you know, with my arms like sticking out like a chicken. <laughs> have you ever had you know, that? You know, I, I have had that before and I've I've gotten it from running with the shirt on before. Oh, I really? think I think it happens to me when my shirt gets wet, like from rain. Okay. Not positive yeah. about that. But I definitely had that when I get in the shower and then I realize that that area hurts, like behind your Okay back under your arms well I, yeah you know i am i'm the the guy who's liberally applying lubricant all over <laughs> all over my body but i've never had that problem uh, under the armpits before i think the bigger story here dog is that you're running without a shirt on because that <laughs> i'm I, I mean i do that every now and then like uh-huh. if it's really hot or if i'm in the right conditions i'm away from civilization or something but i just don't like i don't know I, nothing to do with fitness or anything like that it's just I just don't like being the guy running without a shirt on. I don't know what it is. It just seems strange. Well, I, so I've been running. It's a, I'll tell you how it started. I've been running um, a lot in, at night after the girls go down. And so it's dark out or it's you know, pretty much dark out. And a couple of weeks ago, it was pouring down rain. And I was like, I'm not, why wear a shirt that I know is going to get soaked immediately and, mm-hmm. uh, and then just become uncomfortable? I was like, oh, I don't know. Just go with no shirt on. And then I, so I started doing it. And uh, and it felt great. I was really mm-hmm. happy with, uh, <laughs> with how it felt. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was like, you know, maybe I should keep doing this. And then I did that long run and I started chafing. And so now I'm kind of backpedaling and wondering if I should stop. Right. Well, I wish I could do that. I think, I think it's a good thing. To just, I mean, who cares what people think, right? If it feels good, do yeah. it. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. How, how, how are you doing? We're, uh, uh, we're good. We're, we're, we're just kind of in a holding pattern, waiting to move into our new house. And, uh, we had to like, it just, it was just stretch, like put together money for a down payment and everything that now we have like no money for the next four months. So we have just like, we're in this apartment we don't like, and it's like, well, no, we can't spend any money. We just need to, we just need to chill and exist for four months somehow. Uh-huh. So we're just, we're just, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking of different ways we can pass the time. Instead. Cause I always like to go out on even on weeknights. I just like to go get uh-huh. a drink or get dinner or whatever. Yeah. So especially, especially cause we work from home. I'm the same way. And uh, you know, when you're at home all day and, it's, it feels good to leave because otherwise you could go days without ever leaving the property. Right. 
so we're doing, you know, I'm watching a few more movies and stuff, uh, trying to cook a little bit more. And my daughter, actually, Ellery, has gotten into, she's always been kind of into cooking. She's been like my pasta assistant all the time. But mm-hmm. she recently, we, we watched Julie and Julia, that movie about the, the cooking project blogger, yep. which was actually funny because I could keep giving her examples of like, hey, that happened to Nomad Athlete at one point, like when the when the book agent called and said, we want to publish your book and all these <laughs> like cool like highlights. And stuff. I was like, we've had that happen. Because a lot, you know, it's, it's watching a blog get off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then, so she, she made pasta that night all by herself, my daughter, and I sort of supervised, but she made homemade pasta, which I think is amazing. And, uh, and then, we, then she watched Chef yesterday, which is, uh, you know, that good movie about the food truck guy i forget his name and, oh yeah uh-huh yeah so so we we previously inspired by chef we made cuban sandwiches one time cubanos and uh we're gonna do that again with what, seitan, what was the uh, okay yeah seitan seitan and then you need you need a ham also so we get a vegan ham slices seitan mustard pickles why do you, you need know. ham what I, I don't even know what a cubano is it's i think it's traditionally would be like shaved pork marinated in mojo sauce and then mm-hmm. <clears throat> ham slices are also on the on the bread and then it is kind of pressed in a on a plancha like a panini press kind of deal without the lines yep so it's just like this pressed sandwich that has pickles and it's just i mean it's just so good so we're gonna be making those sometime soon great yes well, we, have, we have a fun episode today we have an, another secret guest that you don't know about this time i i arranged it mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but we got on a little early so we're kind of killing time that's all right i like i like the secret guest idea because today i realized we have we have found a way somehow miraculously to prepare even less for no man's radio <laughs> episodes. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. if you're not I the host, like, then there's like you literally have nothing to do. <laughs> right. Like I had I'm just yeah, today I was getting ready for the episode and I I'm always like at least thinking a little bit about what we're gonna say. This time I was like, oh nothing. <laughs> just <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yet somehow people still listen. At least we yes. think so. <laughs> I think I, I realize maybe we're kind of a guilty pleasure show. Because I, I have some guilty pleasure radio shows that i will listen to still podcasts uh-huh. or radio shows uh-huh. and i know they don't but see i feel like if we're the guilty pleasure then that's we're doing a pretty good job of being a guilty pleasure because i think we still have a good wholesome message that could teach you thing and, and influence you positively mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whereas the ones i listen to they, they have no really redeeming value other than entertainment <laughs> yeah yeah well our guest has arrived should we should we let him in let's do it <laughs> I know who that guest is. Yeah, you do. Jeffrey Benny. Jeffrey Benny, comedian turned ultra runner. Yeah. <laughs> hey, y'all. What's up? Hey, how's, how's it going? going? Oh, just, just dandy. Long time. I know. It's been a while. What have y'all been up to? Uh, pretty much the same thing as <laughs> when we last <laughs> talked to you. I mean, it really is. is the, the podcast is no different, really. It's just uh, same old. How about you? Oh. What, what, I mean, ultra running, comedian, stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, I guess, hold on, let's, let's give you a proper intro here. This is Jeffrey Benny, he is an ultra runner, he is a filmmaker and director, I think you directed the, the film yourself, right, of uh, Once is Enough. everything. <laughs> <laughs> you're a comedian, you're, a, you're now you're an Instagram star, and, uh, and you know, you're just, and a plant-based athlete, of course, and an all-around awesome guy, and so we're excited to have you back on the episode. We had you on, I think it was like long before, like right, maybe right when you were first starting the Once is Enough project. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that the film didn't actually come out for a while after that. Um, uh, five years is how long it took. <laughs> okay, <laughs> five, five long years. Five years 
Yeah. All right. So I need to be filled in on the story because I don't I don't know much about Once Is Enough. I think I remember mention of filmmaking when we last had you on. Uh, I yeah. only in the past couple months have I gotten on social media again, so I I apologize for not being up on social media things at all. But uh, <laughs> I'd love to hear what what this is. Is this about ultra running? Because that sounds like a Once Is Enough kind of title. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, yeah, I, uh, my mom passed away of, of heart disease and I was 100 pounds heavier than, than I am now. And I was kind of desperate, not kind of, I was very desperate to not end up in the same situation. And I wasn't in a great place. My mom and I were really close and I really kind of struggled for a while after she passed. And all I wanted to do was disappear into the mountains to run and write jokes and uh, one of my friends suggested maybe there was a more positive way to, uh, <laughs> to, 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 to combine those things into some sort of creative project. And uh, they were right. So I had the idea to set a ridiculous goal of running a 100-miler, uh, film it, uh, and then write my first hour uh, stand-up set about the whole experience, and then slam those two things together into a... Uh docu-comedy. I don't know if that's an actual genre or not, but that's what we've been calling it. <laughs> that's um, super interesting. And it wasn't, would... it wasn't just any 100-miler. It was the Leadville 100, which is uh, an epic storied 100-miler uh, that um, you know, is kind of one of the, a lot of people like, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of, because of Born to Run, it's probably one of those that a lot of people first hear about for the first time. Um, but it's yeah, not. and it's it's also one of the few big ones that I don't know if it does now, but when I did it, uh, it didn't have uh, it didn't require qualifier. So oh. <laughs> that, was, that was nice as a newbie. I w- I mean, I just like I dove headfirst into to trail running. I actually discovered uh, discovered it in the the waiting room of the hospital at, at the end of her life. She was in the ICU for three months, and I essentially lived in the waiting room and they had a subscription to trail runner magazine and I started picking it up and reading it and um, thought that kind of sounded fun. And we had a, a particularly bad hospital day one day and uh, I coped by going out, buying some running shoes and finding a state park and, um, and going for a run. And I instantly was just hooked. So I, I did a 20 miler three months after she passed away. And then, uh, 50k and then uh, I had the idea of like is there a way that I could run a hundred miler so I set a 50 miler as my kind of like litmus test goal uh you know if it went well if I finished it if I still enjoyed it uh then I could commit to a hundred miler and uh, I did it. I don't know that it went well, but I finished it and I enjoyed it. So then I made the, the silly commitment to run a hundred miler. <laughs> wow. I, so I remember Leadville. Uh, I don't think you had done it when we had you on before, but, I, but now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Look, I'm just looking back at the, yeah, it was okay. So we were talking about the documentary then, but uh, yeah, I don't think you had done it yet. So, okay. So, I mean, Leadville is a tough one. I mean, it's interesting that it used to be that there was no qualification because that's one I, I know of people who try to run it and fail, which happens in a lot of races, but I think it's probably a particularly high DNF rate. So, I mean, it was a success, I'm guessing. I mean, it, it, it happened. No, not at all. 
film spoiler. So if you want to see the film and you don't like spoilers, uh, stop. Oh, Go watch the film. I don't know if I should finish this podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I uh, got to the top of Hope Pass. I think it was like 16 or 17 minutes after the time cut off and got pulled. Oh. Um, and, uh, you know, it was... It was like doubly disappointing. I mean, obviously there's the usual disappointment of DNFing, but there was also the whole film component. I mean, not only was the whole project writing on this one day or this, you know, two days, um, it spent so much money to fly and house and feed crew. My my family had like came from, from Missouri halfway across the continent to to watch. And that was the stuff that was really tough. I mean, because we were promoting the film, I had like blasted it from the rooftops on social media. Um, and that was the hard part. <laughs> I, I actually kind of dealt with my own failure relatively well. Uh, I, I knew it was a possibility. And um, I, I really took a lot of uh, pride in the fact that I, I didn't quit and I still felt good. I mean, considering I was at, what is that, mile 44 or something like that. Uh, I, I, I could have kept going. I wanted to keep going. But yeah, all the other stuff. I mean, on social media, I had like a tracker set up so people could follow me and like, you know, the next day reading the comments that are all like so supportive and excited and you see them slowly transition to, has anyone... Am I, I think it's not working. It's not updating. It looks like he's stopped in the spot. Does anyone know what's going on? And, and then of course my family, like they didn't care, but you know, it was just such a big sacrifice that they made to give up a week to come support me and it didn't work out. And then the film, I was like, it's like, it's done. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know if we're going to finish this. Like <laughs> what an anticlimactic uh, moment. But I was training with Ian Sharman, and he convinced me, he gave me a couple months to um, settle and feel my feels, and then he convinced me to, uh, to give, um, give it another shot. So I signed up for the Rocky Raccoon in Texas, mm-hmm. which is much more flat, uh, a much better candidate for your first 100 miler, <laughs> and uh, uh, I finished it. It went well. Awesome. It went really well. Well, I don't know that it went really well. I fell and fractured a rib. I rolled it, I think, eight minutes before the time cut off, but I finished it. So I'll consider that. You, got, you got that buckle, though, man, and that's all that matters. Yeah. It is. Really? I know. And they have a last ass award, is what they call it, the last person who comes over the finish line before the time cut off. And uh, I was hoping for that, but unfortunately, <laughs> I think, uh, no, he finished a little before me. I don't know if he still holds it, but when I did it, there was a guy who was uh, trying to set the Guinness Book World Record for the largest person to finish a 100-mile race. Wow. Uh, it was really interesting. I, I, I need to look him up. He reached out to me after the film came out. I need to, uh, to get back in touch with him. He was a really interesting guy. Uh, and it was interesting to see the process. We're really kind of getting off topic here, but oh, it, everything had to be documented. The whole, every second of it had to be documented on video in order for Guinness mm. to, you know, like accept it. So he had people running with him, you know, all 30 hours with a camera. He had people <laughs> like pacers changing out to it. Uh, wow. Anyway, Gosh. Leadville was not a success, uh, but finally got one under my belt a few months later. Was it... Uh... Well, I mean, congratulations. That, that's awesome. And I'm so glad that, it, that there is a happy ending. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Did, did that make it into the film or was it the film already done? Oh, yeah. that part did. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Um, was that, can... Oh, go ahead. Well, maybe my question will go into to your answer anyway. Um, was it, I mean, finishing a hundred miler, a first hundred miler is a, is an emotional experience anyway. Um, not to mention just what you go through in the course of getting, getting done, but so like having done it after a, a failure and a, and a sort of spectacular failure, given that you had all this attention and everything else invested in it, uh, was it like, was it just incredible to finish? Like, was it, was it mag? I mean, I guess you wouldn't have anything to compare it to, but was it, was it just the greatest moment of your life sort of thing? Or was it just like, okay, now I, now I check that off and I can, I can move on. Yeah, I think uh, it, 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 in some ways it was, I mean, yeah, it was definitely huge. Uh, I think it was more uh, once I, like the next day, I think was when I really got to kind of marinate in it and appreciate it and celebrate it. Uh, at the end, I was, uh, it wasn't at all what I expected it to be. You know, I used uh, as a motivator on so many training runs, imagining what it was going to be like when I crossed the finish line. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that <laughs> at all. Um, I mean, Rocky Raccoon is a really fun uh, race because it's a smaller race. So, you know, the finish line is not a grand, you know, a grand arch with like townspeople cheering for you. It's just, you know, your family and some other people's family, like at the edge of a trail, <laughs> you know, Texas yeah. State Park. Yeah. Uh, so there's that component. And then I think, you know, your brain gets so weird when you get, you know, in, into those last hours of an ultra, or at least mine does. And I was, I felt a little like numb almost. It's like my brain was just kind of like, I just wanted to shut off and, and go to sleep. So yes and no, I guess is the short answer. I think part of what made it so much fun the next day was that I had kept it a total secret mm -hmm. because uh, of all the like, mm -hmm. all the like, extra embarrassment from Leadville of social media and all of my friends. I told, uh, I brought one crew person, <laughs> bless his heart. He did camera, audio, everything. I was like, we don't have the budget and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not flying a bunch of people here when I, I, this probably isn't going to work out. I was, I was such a like negative Nancy about it. I was, I was like, yeah, we're going to go do it. It's, I don't know guys, like no expectations. I'll, I'll run as far as I can run. I told my 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 family uh, and a friend who came to pace me, and then I think two other friends knew. So that was really rewarding the next day to wake up and be able to get on Facebook, get on Instagram, and say, "Hey, y'all, you'll never believe what I did yesterday." <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Before we get on to the next question or the next part of the conversation, why don't we pause for a second to thank our sponsor? This episode is brought to you by Complement Plus, the eight critical, hard-to-get nutrients on a plant-based diet, all in one place. Doug, I think we can all agree that the plant-based diet is a nutrient powerhouse. Am Absolutely. I, am I out of line there? <laughs> no, I think that's, uh, I think that, I think that's agree universally agreed. Yes. Agreed okay, good. Self-evident. <laughs> but no matter how great the plant-based diet is for your long-term health, no diet is perfect. Even a well-planned diet can lack a few important nutrients for your health. That's where Complement Plus comes in. We provide the eight hard-to-get nutrients in science-backed, bioavailable amounts all in a simple black capsule you take daily. It includes the nutrients you hear a lot about, like vitamin B12, D3, and DHA, EPA, omega-3s, but we've also added a handful of nutrients that are technically available through plant foods, but most of us aren't getting enough of them. Zinc, iodine, K2, magnesium, and selenium. And that's it. Everything else you're probably already getting in abundance through plant foods. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's all you need. You know, if you're, if you're uh, eating a well-balanced plant-based diet, that's, 
That's about all you need, right? Yeah. I mean, you can get these other things, but it's just, it's just work. That's the thing. And I, and I don't like leaving stuff to chance. And, you know, I'm, I'm not as good as I should be about going to get the blood work done so frequently to make sure. So uh, take Compliment Plus, you cover all the bases. With Compliment Plus, we've made it a complete no-brainer to give it a shot and cover your bases. Each batch is third-party tested for potency and purity, and those results are shared right on our website for everyone to see. There's a 30-day risk-free guarantee, so if you're not happy, just shoot us an email and we'll refund your purchase. And when you sign up for a flexible subscription, you get 15% off each bottle. We know that the best thing we can do for our own health, the health of the community, and the growth of this movement is to ensure we're thriving on a plant-based diet for the long term. Learn more about Compliment Plus at lovecompliment.com and use the code NOMEAT at checkout to save an additional $10. That's lovecompliment.com and use code NOMEAT to save. And that's additional $10 off on top of the 15%, if you're subscribed, on top of the 15% that you're wow. getting. So, I mean, that's just a heck of a deal right it's a there. It's no-brainer. That first for that first bottle. All right. <laughs> With that, let's get back to the episode. That's awesome. So you know how I think every, probably every ultra runner experienced this when the Barkley marathons movie came out a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime someone heard you were like a trail runner or an ultra runner, like they're like, Oh, I saw this movie about Barkley. Have you, you know, is that the kind of races you run or, have, or when are you going to run that? And um, it's like all anybody who didn't know anything about that world wanted to like relate with you, you know, about, you know, they want to talk to you about that. And then once yeah. enough came out and the same thing happened in a, but in a very different way, it was like, um, I had, I can't even tell you, I probably had a dozen people tell me, um, Oh, I saw this movie about this guy, this comedian who, who ran a hundred miler and, uh, it made me actually go out and start running. And like, now I'm trying to figure out this trail running thing. And like that, that literally happened many times. So, oh, so, so Jeff, cool. you know, I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt. Like this is, that's a real thing. <laughs> it's awesome that you had that reach to people. Yeah. I mean, it's been so, not that I didn't know that there were plenty of me out there, but I've really been blown away by how many uh, unconventional runners, I'll call them, are out there um, who, you know, don't feel comfortable at a lot of starting lines of races it's that they don't not that they don't feel welcome or anything you know it's all like internal stuff uh but yeah it's been so cool i've just i can't tell you how many amazing messages i've gotten from people just saying something similar like oh i never would have had the you know the cojones to like go try this i did it and now i'm loving it you know thank you it's it's i think that's probably the most um rewarding part of the whole of the whole process is getting to uh um, getting to, to, to enjoy that. It feels like the five years and hours of training <laughs> might've been worth it. <laughs> yeah. Who, uh, who I was, I was looking at your Amazon and realizing it's on prime video, right? I can just watch me just watch it for free. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So I'm going to watch that. Totally. My wife is training for her first ultra. My kids will be into this. It's kid oh, friendly, right? Kid friendly. Yeah. 16 um, plus. That's good. They watch that. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, uh, like, um, like naughty middle school humor is as bad as it gets. <laughs> it's, it's exactly our, our genre. Yeah. I always uh, <laughs> say I, uh, I don't tell any jokes that my mom wouldn't approve of, but my mom was a pretty saucy lady. So what you will. Good. <laughs> So because I was doing that, I missed what you said about uh, somebody not feeling welcome at the start line. Who, who, what type of people doesn't, doesn't feel welcome or don't feel welcome? Oh, I think a lot of, not, not necessarily unwelcome. That, that probably isn't the right word. I think a lot of bigger people just, they, oh, bigger people. Okay. I mean, I noticed it at Leadville. Um, it was dark. Uh, I, I didn't notice it at, at, at the Rocky Raccoon, but 
at Leadville, I, I, I looked around and I was the only, I couldn't see anyone who wasn't like a more stereotypical, pretty fit, thin, mm -hmm. uh, like a, an athlete, you know? Hmm. Um, and I kind of like, I kind of don't really give a shit about that kind of stuff. I don't know if I can curse, you might have to edit that out. <laughs> but <laughs> I, so I was fine. But I mean, someone who, you know, isn't as confident like uh what i would you know could have felt so so out of place and and I've, I've i've had so many people say that they they prefer to do their own runs they don't like love organized runs just because of that again like nothing anyone is doing or anything i think it's just you know you don't uh, it's it's impossible to miss that you're you know one of if not the only like person of size at the starting line right that makes do sense. Think, do you think that's changing? It seems like, I don't know, it seems like there are several, uh, um, you know, unconventional runner body type people who are, are making a splash on social media and, and, and other things that, um, you know, that, I don't know, it seems like maybe that's starting to change. I think it's changing very quickly. Yes, yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, exactly what you just said. I think there's a <laughs> lot more of me out there now. Um, I think it's making people a lot more uh, comfortable and, you know, a lot of people like probably wouldn't even try. I mean, I have a habit of doing or trying to do things that I shouldn't be able to do, <laughs> whether it, you know, I mean, I was a, grew up on a pig farm in Missouri. Like it made no sense for me to move to New York and pursue acting, but that's what I did. It made no sense for like a 340 pound husky ginger to you know try to run a hundred miler but that's what I did but a lot of people you know they, they don't they don't like to take risks like that so I think it's becoming a lot more comfortable to to, to have these crazy ideas in ultra running no it's, that is a that is a very good thing I mean I, I think I don't I don't know the ultra community now so well but when I was running ultras it seemed like one of the coolest groups of supportive people you could find. And I, I remember when there were people who were larger running ultras who I, I remember that it was more a feeling of kind of like respect because that it just means you're carrying more weight. You're doing more work than everybody else. And that was sort of, I don't know, there was never any sort of judgment, but I don't think so either. I think it's, I think uh, most of the judgment people feel if not all of it is from themselves. Right. So, yeah, of course. <laughs> Which is sometimes the hardest, hardest kind of judgment to deal with, isn't it? Uh, but yeah, no, the, the trail running community, uh, I mean, you know, no, no shade thrown at the, the, the road running community, but the trail running community is so, uh, so funky and welcoming. It's such a fun, fun, you know, fireball shots at the last aid station, <laughs> aid right. station workers in costumes. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a really, really fun uh, community to be a part of, for sure. Yeah, which I mean makes sense because if like, like you said, if the finish line is a couple of your family members out in the trail run instead of this glorious you know thing where you get a medal put around your neck and all, it's like if someone's in it, if they're going to work that hard for that kind of reward, then you know their their motivation for doing it. Not that it's always the most pure motivation for sure, but like at least you eliminate the big I'm going to do this because it's I want to I want everyone to praise me and you know make me make me feel like I am the center of attention for a little while. Although I guess social media changes that because we can still go post that on on social media if we want yeah i don't know i i, I enjoy being the center of attention <laughs> yeah who doesn't you know right speaking of center, center of attention uh no just kidding um stand-up comedy or comedy in general i that is probably 
like standing stand-up comedy uh, okay public speaking is is definitely something that makes me uneasy period going up and trying to entertain somebody just as yourself and tell jokes and not just like good stories that you know can kind of captivate people but uh, actual jokes um to make people laugh is probably the most terrifying thing that i can think of uh how did you get into sam comedy and, and is it really as bad as people think it is <laughs> or as intimidating um, yeah no it is <laughs> it really is uh the first uh so i was uh I, w- I was living in new york i was working in theater acting and i was with a show an awesome show but i was with the same show for a little over two years and i was just i was pretty burnt out to be honest when i got back from tour and so i started taking improv classes um and that was i think that was the most terrifying uh because i i was a musician as a kid but i was always i was like classically trained pianist like had to have the music in front of me like it blows my mind people who just hear a song and like i mean you know i played piano since i was five and that still is astonishing to me um so like a very structured pianist um same like with acting you know i had you know as an actor you have a script you have weeks and weeks of rehearsal you know exactly where you're standing at what point at what time um so it's just terrifying the idea of improv and i remember like i would be sick to my stomach before classes i would talk myself out of going um but the more you do it the the better it it gets the less terrifying it gets and i think improv was really, I would suggest everyone in the world take improv classes. It doesn't matter what you do. If you ever speak to anyone anywhere, doesn't have to be public. Like if you just have meetings at work, you will benefit from improv classes because by the time I got comfortable with improv, I felt so like powerful on stage. I really had a sense that like, literally anything could happen the set could fall down like someone's clothes could fall off and like it would be fine like we just figure it out and it would be fine and that kind of confidence as a very structured performer was really was really uh life-changing for me and so i decided to give stand-up a try because i was just as terrified if not more terrified of stand-up um and it's hard and it's painful. I mean, I've never had a heckler, knock on wood. I've never had a heckler, but even the best comedians bomb, like even the best comedians will have a bad show. And it's, it's, it's what I, what I love about standup and what is so painful about standup is that you're in control of everything. You're in control of what you wore, what you said, how you said it. Uh, so when you succeed, when you have a really great show, it's so rewarding because it's all you. Like you are responsible for everything. But when you bomb, <laughs> the opposite is true. It's still all you. Like it's all, what did you do wrong? It's all, you know, it's, it's all your responsibility. There's no one else to blame. You can't blame the costumer. You can't play the, or, you know, blame the orchestra or the director. It was you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's terrifying. You finally get... Uh, there's a reason why comedians always have a very like F you attitude. And it's because you kind of really have to, you have to get to the point where you can get up on stage, tell people that you've, you know, jokes that you've put your heart and soul into writing, uh, have them not react or even boo you. You have to be able to walk off stage after that and go, all right, 
here's some things I can learn from it, but you know, middle finger and move on. You cannot, <laughs> you know, you can't like, you can't get, uh, you know, you can't get, um, you know, damaged by it. Um, but you know, it, it leaves comedians sometimes a little, a little jaded. Yeah. I mean, that does sound terrifying. And I, I hear a lot of people who, maybe not a lot, I've heard of people who get into it precisely for that challenge because it seems like the most terrifying thing you can do and to have to learn to do it is a, is a huge thing. Um, do you, like, when, not improv, when it's just you're doing your, doing your routine, like, how, how come there can be a bad show? Because isn't it, don't you know exactly the routine you're going to do ahead of time and so maybe just you're just not on with your timing and everything or the audience isn't getting it or what yeah i think that's the magic of live performance is that every show is different i mean that was i mean not that i didn't already know it but when i was with that show uh that i mentioned for two and a half years it was really um really well illustrated in our audiences uh, on Friday and Saturday nights uh, was usually pretty raucous, uh, you know, just great audience, lots of energy, lots of laughs. Uh, Sunday matinees are uh, every actor's, uh, every theater actor's uh, like nightmare because it's usually, it's usually seniors and they're just not as engaged. They're not, sometimes there's a lot of times they're sleeping. Um, but it's really, really like starkly illustrates uh, how much difference there can be, you know, just between Saturday night's show and the next show 14 hours later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are differences, you know, if you, I mean, I've seen actor or comedians, um, you know, like have too many drinks before and it gives you courage, but it makes you a little sloppy and you're not as sharp and your, your set just isn't, isn't as good. Not for all comedians, but I mean, I've, I've had it happen before. I mean, I've had it, I've gotten off stage and I'm like, Ugh, I think I should have had like, you know, one less gin and tonic. I felt a little like out of control, uh, but then the audience is, you know, a huge, huge difference uh, as well. I mean, you know, uh, I'm gay. There are like audiences that, you know, if you've got a group of 10, 12, 15 people who, have feelings about that. I mean, then you've got, you know, a quarter of your audience who is, they're not engaged. They're not, you know, they're, they're, they're totally over it. Uh, my comedy isn't really controversial. I think that's probably why I've never been heckled. All of my comedy is usually about me and self-effacing. So I think that spares me a lot of that, but you know, that's why those comedians that are dealing with political issues or, you know, or trash talking, you know, celebrities or politicians. I mean, that's why they, you know, they, they, they get heckled and end up with those, those rough shows. Sometimes it's great if you've got a like-minded audience, right. but it just takes, just takes one bachelor party who uh, doesn't agree with you to, to bring down your show. <laughs> it almost seems like improv would be easier because then you have this excuse of like, yeah, but we didn't prepare anything. This is, we're just doing all this off the cuff. So like, if it doesn't work, what, I don't know. I think that's cool though. I, I think, I mean, I've never done any improv, but I, I uh, there's a guy named Seth Godin. I mentioned him a lot. He's like a marketing uh, guru kind of guy. But anyway, he, he talks, he writes about improv. I, I think he writes about this idea, maybe you've heard of it, some exercise where you imagine a box in your head and then they say what's in the box and there has to be something. But whatever the lesson is, is like his lesson is the improv people learn that there is always something in the box. When they, when they tell you to come up with the thing that's in the box, 
you eventually learn to rely and trust yourself that whatever you like, there will always be something. It will never be just empty and you have nothing to say. But somehow I've kind of, I think, like backed into that confidence just from doing a bunch of podcasts and interviews and things. And I've, I, I got over this fear of like, and even with public speaking, the fear that like you'll get caught there and stuck and there's nothing. And now it's like, it's this horrible moment. Somehow you eventually learn that like, that won't ever happen. Like you, you get the confidence that, that there will always be something to say instead that can deflect or can distract or just, you know, be a way of moving off this awkward thing. Um, okay. So you, so you haven't heard of it, but I think that's, I think that's, uh, I don't know. I love the recommendation. I'd like to get my kids to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and they can tell me oh. how it goes. Matt, oh, Matt yeah. have you ever, have you ever seen bad improv? It's no. really bad. I'm sure. <laughs> it's I'm sure it's so horrible. bad. Yeah. I think that's what makes it so scary. Cause bad yeah. improv is, it's really uh, painful to watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we had, I had some friends in DC who uh, who were like taking an improv class, and like at the end of it, they wanted to put together like a little improv show for all of us friends. So we like got over at somebody's house, had some drinks, and like did this, the show, and it was just like it was awful. Like it was right. so bad. Right. But you know, you know, it was good, good, good for them to try. You know, yeah. Right. It's fun because it's a game. It's it's it, that's what improv is. I mean, you and 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 it gets fun and it get, gets good when you've learned the rules of the game mm-hmm. because then you can start breaking them in like artful, intelligent ways, and that's when like really, really magical stuff happens in an improv show. But yeah, I mean, exactly what you said, Matt. I mean, it's you know, one of the rules is make a choice. If you if you if you if you're blanking, you have no you have no ideas make a choice. I remember in one of my shows one time, I don't know why, but I totally blanked. And I, I, I don't know where, how my brain went there, but I sat down in a chair and I said that I was tatting and it ended up being one of the best scenes. Do you know what tatting is? So I'm not like tattooing, like tatting is like a, like a Midwestern grandma, like embroidery kind of stuff. It's like, it's like uh-huh. really, really detailed, like doilies and things, tatting. And so the scene, like nobody knew what tatting was. And it, it was, you know, it was such a small, <laughs> stupid, random thing. But that lesson like really was burned into my brain after that because I blanked, but I just sat down and made a strong, weird choice. And it like, it, it was, it, it was <laughs> one, of the, one of the best scenes that I, I think I ever had in, in improv. That's awesome. So uh, in prep for uh, this call, I was I was on your website and I was watching your uh, your motivational speaker, right? You do uh, well, motivational speaking. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, uh, but some opportunities started popping up after the film, and I am just freaking loving it. It's I, I've That's always awesome. said like my comedy, I wanted it to be comedy with a purpose. So even if I was you know, telling a poop joke. I wanted it to be part of a bigger, more substantial story, which I think the film probably illustrates well. There's lots of middle school humor, but you know, it's all, the point of it is to, to, to tell a bigger uh, story. Um, I, I, I just totally blanked. What was, what, what did you Motivation. say? There what wasn't a question. <laughs> it was, it was a statement. I was getting to a question actually, oh. which is uh, <laughs> <laughs> at the end of your, like uh, your, the little video kind of promoting uh, your motivational speaking, which was very well done, by the way. I oh, enjoyed it very much. Uh, you said that you, you follow a philosophy in life or you, if you have something that you repeat to yourself, which is uh, you need to be smart enough to start, but dumb enough not to quit. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you, I was hoping you could elaborate on that a little bit. I think that's just probably the biggest lesson that I have taken away from ultra running. Um, I remember when I first started and first 
tried to push myself longer distances. And, you know, when you get to that point where any normal, rational person would pack up and go home, like things start to hurt, you're, you're hungry, you, you're dehydrated, you know, any rational person would say, oh, well, this is obviously the time for me to stop and, and go home. Mm-hmm. If you don't, uh, if you eat some food, if you drink some water, um, and if you just keep foolishly running or moving forward in some way, you know, it turns out like, well, you can drink more water. I'm not saying dehydration isn't an issue, but you can drink more water. You can eat food. You're, you know, that ache in your ankle, it may not, it may be a bigger issue that you do need to stop, but there's a good chance that it's going to go away in a few miles. Something new will pop up. But <laughs> I think that that lesson was so valuable that like, if you just stubbornly refuse to quit, like turns out you can do so much more than, than you, than you thought you could. And that's where the magic happens, not only for yourself, but it's also, I was given that advice when I first started working on the film, uh, a like friend who's a much more experienced filmmaker said, you know, it's a big decision. If you're going to move forward, like do it, but don't, don't, you have to finish it. You have to finish the film because 95% of people who start film projects don't finish them. He was like, if you just finish it, you will instantly set yourself apart from almost every other filmmaker who wants to make a film. Um, but I think that's, that, that applies to ultra running as well. I mean, just, just not quitting, um, you know, sets your, sets you apart from, you know, the millions of people who, you know, run marathons, which is its own ridiculous achievement in its own right. But uh, there's not a lot of people who can say, I ran a hundred miles in 32 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I've, I've always said with ultra running, you just have to be smart enough to start, but dumb enough not to quit. It sounds a lot like uh, this, what we always thought, we haven't talked about it in a while, but we used to talk about it a lot, this idea of the dip, another Seth Godinism, where the thing is like, if you, like everything that's worth doing is going to hit this point where it sucks. Like shortly after your start, like probably like 20% of the way in. Cause that it, it, the wears off the, the fact that it's new and fun and novel. And then you realize it's actually hard and you, there's kind of no end in sight and it's going to suck for a while. And so like, let's just realize that before we get into anything and then make the decision right then that we're willing to push through that. And if we're not, then why, why start it at all? Like, just, just don't get it. Like your friend said, don't get into the thing if you're not going to finish it. Cause it's going to get to the point where you don't want to finish it. You want it to stop. And I think that's such an important uh, lesson that, that like, it just, it doesn't, doesn't mean don't start things that are hard. It just means if you're, if you're going to do it, like make sure you're actually in it to do it. And otherwise just save yourself the time and pick something else. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the things I talk about in one of my talks is, you know, the, I, there's no way I could have truly imagined what the, the crappy times were going to be like, but I just over-researched ultra running. I talked to all the ultra runners I could find so that I knew what to expect so that I could put things in place to help me not quit. Um, you know, uh, tell friends like, Hey, there's going to be a time when I'm really going to want to stop doing this. And, you know, if, 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 if it's sincere and I have a good reason, fine, but like, just, just, can you help me, you know, move through that? Um, you know, there's so many, um, there's so many ways that you can help yourself not quit before you ever want to quit. 
Um, so I think, I, I, you know, I've always had, I've been a big idea kid since I was a little kid. And I always got, you know, eye rolls and scoffs when I would share my ideas. I mean, this, I mean, one of my friends, I, I mentioned it in the film, but one of my friends who's a triathlete, uh, when I first had the idea, I... I immediately went to him. I was like, oh, he's going to be so excited about this. Like, this is such a fun idea. Can't wait to tell him. And I mean, he was, he was polite, but I mean, he like, like gave me a pretty big truth bomb. He was like, uh, is, is that a good idea? Do you, do you know? He was like, it's really hard. And I was like, yeah, no, I know it's hard. And he's like, no, it's really, really hard. Like you're going to have to train like probably at least, you know, at your fitness level, at least, at least 12 months. Like he just, he was supportive, but he was just really, really cautious. And in the end, I look back, I'm like, well, it was actually really useful um, because I, I was so angry with him. <laughs> and uh, to be quite frank, like that fueled me a lot of times when I was wanting to quit. I was like, you know what? No, I have to freaking show him that he was wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, so thinking about this this idea of, of dumb dumb of not to quit when when you didn't finish leadville um like that was the perfect excuse not to quit or or to quit uh to quit the film like not make it or to just say okay well now the film's not going to have this like beautiful ending that i was anticipating but you know maybe i'll transition it to something else but uh and to never run another 100 miler again but you went and you did it again you know and, and you finished and and like like to me, like that, that is the ultimate dip of an, an excuse to, to stop. And then, but you didn't do it. Well, I think I was lucky to have a really good reason why I was doing it. I, I also think that, you know, like knowing your why um, is really important. Having a really good reason. It doesn't matter whether it's ultra running or starting that new business or, you know, whatever crazy thing you're wanting to do having a really, really good reason, not just like, oh, I'd like to have, you know, I'd like to have a second income or, oh, wouldn't it be fun to be able to say I ran hundred miles. You need to have a, a, like a really good reason because a lot of times that's what's going to get you through those, those really, really tough times. And I was really lucky to, you know, have this project that was in honor of celebrating my mom to fuel me. I mean, I, I, I had a pretty serious attitude after the Leadville failure, but once I thought about it, like I, I would have had to have dealt with so much like guilt, to be quite frank, if I had abandoned this project and not finished it. So I think I was lucky that I had sort of like the holy grail of whys. <laughs> like I really like not not finishing the film really wasn't an option, um, and to finish the film, I really needed to finish a hundred miler. So I think I was was lucky in those things. Everyone keeps asking like, oh, are you gonna, you know, what's your next film? And, you know, to be honest, I'm really, really nervous and hesitant because, um, you know, I, I, Once is Enough has seen some success, which has been great, but I don't have another one of those stories to fuel me through another one of those projects right now. Like I don't, that was probably one of the most, difficult times of my life. I hope I don't have another story like that anytime too soon, but I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried that I don't have any ideas that are as um, substantial as that idea was. I'm really having a hard time settling on 
you know, my next frontier. I imagine that is probably pretty common. Like an author who writes their their book that they've been, you know, dreaming of their whole year life or or their their story, their personal story, you know, and then you do it and then it's a, it's a success. Like, what do you do next? You know, how do you how do you find that next massive thing? And and I imagine it just kind of comes when it when it's ready to come. It does. I mean, that's yeah. why like the band's second albums always are, suck because they uh, yeah. they spend all this time writing it and then and then they have to put out another one and all they did was since the last one was tour a little bit and like then they just and they have to do it so it just nothing nothing comes of it. Yeah. I'm excited to I uh, I finally like gave up on pushing myself to commit to a new project and now that clubs are opening back up, hopefully they stay open. We'll see. It seems like uh, COVID's not moving in the right direction. But uh, I'm excited this fall to just just write and go perform without the stress of a project or needing to write on a specific topic. Um, so I think I think you're right. I think I'm just gonna just dive into that this fall, and uh, something will present itself at the right time. Yeah. And so, what about ultra running? Is that will you do any more ultras, or is that it? Yeah. No, I've done no more. Oh, you did one. Okay. But I've done quite a few. Uh, 50Ks, I set, I started this year with the goal to run an ultra per month all year. Mm-hmm. And I made it to May <laughs> and then had a real, I was just doing 50Ks. I did a 50K a month until May and then had a terrible run. And um, a, an accidental business uh, opportunity presented itself over the summer, which has ended up consuming my summer. And I just got super off track. And uh, I, I, I don't know if I'll get them all done. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have any idea. Um, I think that's, you know, yet another lesson ultra running has, has gifted me with is I used to put so much pressure. Like Jeffrey five years ago would be like freaking out, beating himself up, saying like, oh my gosh, I made this commitment. It's not working. And I've just learned like, it's fine. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares if I don't do it. And at the end of the day, it's probably more uh, relatable and realistic that like, I, you know, I struggled in the middle of the year with motivation and didn't finish it. Uh, I've learned to be so much kinder to, to myself in those, those kind of situations. So it was a long answer, but yes, still ultra running, no crazy distances. Uh, the, the whole goal of, of, of trying to do one per month this year was to be ready to do a hundred next next summer, um, get in some lotteries, but I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. Uh, that's like that's an interesting um, uh, juxtaposition, I guess. Like, th- what's interesting to me is that you. I mean, like, I finished my hundred and and any fifty I ever did because, like you said, like the not quitting was not an option. Like, if I had quit it. I just, I couldn't, and I, I wanted to, and I thought hard about quitting during the race, but I, I could not deal with, I knew that I could not deal with what I would say to myself afterwards. That like, because of that mindset, I just, it just literally was not an option because I, I could not face a week later having to think, I can't believe I stopped then. But being kind, you just said that being kind to yourself is something you learned from ultra running as well. And I feel like it's it's really hard to be kind to yourself and have quitting not be an option. Uh, and so I'm wondering, like, like I don't know. I think that's probably why I haven't done another hundred because I don't, I don't, I think if I did, like, I would know that I already done it once, and I and I've already proven to myself. And I, now I now I wouldn't 
quitting wouldn't not be an option anymore, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious what you think about that. And, and if you were to do another hundred, like, will you have that, will you be kind to yourself or will you say that I, this is not an option to quit? I can't do it. Can't well, in, in, in that same talk, I talk a lot about uh, how important and pivotal I think the moment when you consider quitting is. I think it can't be a light decision. It can't be something you make on a whim. It needs to be a long decision that's thought through. And if you make, don't quit, but if you do, you got to let it go. Like you can't like sit and ruminate in it. You need to make sure that it's the right choice. You need to think it through. It cannot be a rash decision. Uh, but if you do make that choice, you have to accept it. You have to be okay with it. You have to release it and you have to move on. You can't, I think, at least for me, you can't sit and, 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 and ruminate in it. It's, it's not, I don't think it's healthy or productive. Um, I think big goals is also really important. I mean, I sure I like set a goal of running an ultra per month for the year, but it was just on my own. I was not doing organized races. There was no date. There was nobody really who was holding me accountable. Um, so I think for lots of reasons, you know, I, I probably should have seen from the, from the, from the get go that this was a, a great candidate for, for quitting, Yeah, <laughs> which I don't know that I'm quitting. I mean, I, you know, I might like get back after it and pound out one a week for a couple months, you know, this fall. Um, We'll see. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's a really good point. Um, I, I also, you know, I've done a lot of those, uh, yeah, I'm going to run an ultra a month goals. Yeah. Not that specific goal, but you know, big, these big things like that, like, um, month, month long, months long, uh, goals that, and oftentimes they, you know, they start out strong and they start out great and then they just kind of fail. And to me, it's a little different to, to say quit in the middle of a race when you're quitting because it's hard or because your feet hurt or you're, you got a blister or you're chafing or whatever, you know, you're quitting because you're just really uncomfortable and you know, you can do it if you just switch that negative negativity off. Um, and you can actually finish it. That's very different to me than like, I set a goal for something that's 12 months in advance and, uh, I'm in a very different place in my life that I was when I set that goal. You know, you got a new job or, or whatever, you had a new business opportunity. You, uh, you know, things are just very different. And, and it's I, to me, like I'm much more forgiving of myself and much more kind of accepting of those types of, of quote unquote failures than, than I am of like being in the middle of a race and saying, yeah, I'm just not going to do it today. Yeah. Ian helped me with that a lot. I remember I would have long runs that wouldn't, that wouldn't go well. And I would be, well, I lied to him for weeks and I finally one week was like, I didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> the la last month when I told you it went great, I didn't finish it. <laughs> I, I, I lied to you. And he was like, okay, so what? Like, so, you know, pick up the miles on another day, like, you know, or just, just, it's not the end of the world. Um, he was like, you can either, you can either force yourself through these runs when you're uncomfortable or something's hurting uh, and, and be so miserable that you get burnt out and then don't run for three weeks or you can just accept that you didn't, you know, you, you missed your 25 mile run by four miles and you can pick them up another day. It was like, that is not gonna make or break your success. Now, if you're doing it every week, we need to talk about that. But if you have one bad run, fine, brush it off, move on. It's, mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not the end of the world and stop lying to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, Jeff, Jeffrey, not Jeff, Jeffrey, sorry. Um, you can call me whatever you want. I'll do anything <laughs> decent. Uh, thank you so much for joining. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's been a while. So good to see y'all. Thanks again for having me yeah. back. And congrats yeah, on the coming. success of, of, of the movie in uh, Thanks. the last five years since we talked last. <laughs> for those like me who, who have been in a hole and just didn't know it existed uh, and are going to watch it tonight, where, where can you go watch it? Uh, we said Amazon Prime, if you have that. Yeah, once is enough. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on some. Uh, it's on the Roku app. It's on uh, a, a bunch of other. It's not on Netflix, but most other platforms you can find it. Nice, and you get a little little coin each time we each time we stream it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how it works? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So we nice. should just put it on replay, repeat while we're streaming. Yeah, leave it on. Yeah, I won't. I won't argue with that. <laughs> There's a I band. Didn't know, um, I didn't know that's how it worked. There's a yeah, band. Uh, just uh, you get paid by the hour that it's viewed. Ah, <clears throat> nice. There, there's a band that tried to game the system for um, Spotify a couple of years ago, where they put out like a like a hundred song album that was all silent, and they encouraged people to just like turn it on when they go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so they get. I think that Spotify cracked down on it, but uh, yeah, um, Amazon actually just they announced that they're no longer taking documentary content. Uh, unless it comes to a distributor, which we 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 had a distributor that took the film on, but a similar thing was happening. People were making basically YouTube videos and were submitting them, getting them approved. And uh, at that time, they also paid per start. So it wasn't how long it was viewed. It was just, mm-hmm. if you started watching the film, the filmmaker got paid, whether you watched the film or not. And they switched to to paying by the, by the, the minute. Um, for that same reason people would put a lot of money into like the art like the poster and the graphics they'd they'd write a really really quality uh log line like the summary whenever you're looking at a film um but then it would be two hours of the most low quality boring (laughs) crap you've ever seen because it didn't matter if you started the film like that was their goal (laughs) cool all right something to watch tonight thank you for uh for coming on really appreciate it good luck so good Thanks to be for here. doing what Thanks. you do. Keep it up. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sweet. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.